Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to another episode of the Conversations Brewing Podcast with your hosts, Divya and Ravisha, two coffee-loving best friends who dive into weekly conversations on wellness, culture, and growing into your authentic self. As two healthcare professionals, children of immigrants, and humans always striving to learn more, they bring their unique complexities of their wellness journeys into this podcast space by sharing their stories and featuring other like-minded experts in the field. Always with a cup of coffee in hand, humor, and never-ending authenticity, dive in with the two of them as they brew the kind of conversations that we don't have enough of but that matter the most. All right, for anyone out here who is trying to set some goals in 2024 around finances, I know that is me. I have started doing a weekly budgeting sheet. We have the perfect guest for today. Her name is Fiona Nguyang, and she is the founder of Balance, which is a boutique financial accounting and consulting firm for impact-driven small businesses. She was born after the war in Vietnam, and she grew up in poverty. She decided to take control of her path by pursuing a career in finance and learning everything she could about accounting, tax code, and financial rules. After 10 years of working in corporate finance, Fiona sought to deliver the same caliber of personalized financial insights to entrepreneurs to make the language of money accessible to all. Together, she supports them in making better decisions, increasing their profit margins, and dare she say it, making accounting fun. And... She did make accounting fun, I will say. She did. This was a great episode, I think, for Divya and I as well for trying to learn how to budget and save money. So if that's something of interest of you, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Okay, hi guys. Welcome back to another episode. Today we have a guest with us. Her name is Fiona. She has a company called Balan X, and we're going to just talk about finance fight like financial foundations and for millennial women today so thank you so much for coming on and talking to us today fiona thank you so hi everyone so my name is fiona i am a certified public accountant so i love the numbers but always interested in i learn how people make the financial decisions so which is the human part of yourself inside of every financial decision that you make so I am a beach lover. I love teas. I, but I am also a very softy Capricorn. If you go into mm-hmm. zodiac side, okay. So, uh, in my professional world, people call me like a uh, number wizard, which is great. But um, I love those titles, and I work in the field like for more than a decade. And I have been always a corporate girl, but the last couple of years, I feel like I'm not fulfilled with um, the work in the corporation. So I found my own practice. And now I serve 80% of my clients are women-owned business. Wow. Yeah, and they're not looking for me to just like balance their book or find their tax, but I give them like, you know, like analytical and the inside of their numbers to have them to make a financial decision and achieve their mission with their business. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's pretty much about me. That is awesome because as women, 
I I've seen that we don't talk a lot about finances, but we're also equipped with the tools of how to talk about it. It feels so general. I can't tell you the amount of times that I have found myself Googling things, like even things that my husband talks about that are financial things. And I don't want to be like, what does that mean? So I'm on my phone just Googling and we don't have that knowledge. So I think that's amazing that you are so keen to bring that to women-owned businesses. What have you seen are some financial challenges that women particularly face in our modern society? So, you know, that like um, historically uh, to say we um, as women, we didn't have uh, the right to open a bank account until like um, 1974 after the uh, what is they call uh, Equal Credit Opportunity Act that gave us uh, the right to open our bank account account so you think about it it's like our mom or our grandmom most of their life actually never had the right to manage their own money at all so we don't have a historical data to back us up why men have a hundred hundred of year we're taught to how to make the money manage grow the business and all of that and we don't so we don't have the awareness uh education background to help us with it and then nowadays you know almost 45 percent or 50 percent of the u.s workforce is women mm-hmm. so we and we are likely to marry late too so we independence we have an agency over the, our financial situation but we don't have something to back us to manage our uh, finance as all. And I think that is quite a challenge for us as at, at women to learn how to manage our own thing. Yeah, that is. Like, if you think about it, 1974, like, what, 50, 60 years ago? So in that time frame, women had to become a little more independent, like set up their own bank accounts, manage their own money. Mm-hmm. And when you're not, like, set up with those that foundation to do so, it can become really difficult. Yeah, it is. And like women, we also like different from men in the way that we think, the way that we make the decision too. So we more like in tune with our feeling, our intuitive feeling. And we more like risk adverse too. And we also like the whole society is not taught us to be like become, become like more risk chasing attack any like risky opportunity at all so we basically like different from men but um all the education that we went to it just based on a man identity in that Mm -hmm. background so i think it's 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 quite challenged for us i think yeah have you seen that on top of being a woman that certain cultural factors can come into play too because i think about my relationship with money and what it looks like growing up and money was just not really talked about like even to this day when I talk to my dad about money related things and I know he doesn't mean it to be in like a it's you don't need to know that way but he's like that's not for you to deal with like let Raj deal with it or you know I'll help you with it you don't have to worry about it and so it's kind of perpetuated this narrative of women at least for me culturally in my household to you don't need to worry about money and so have what has that looked like for you and have you seen that kind of get in the way with your clients too like they've struggled with it so like talk about myself so I was born like I think like almost 10 years after Vietnam war was ended Mm 
So basically, I was born in poverty. Like there was no even rice or bean for us to eat at all. So it's like very poor. And um, and I growing up, like people surrounding me, they was give me the advice like the only way you can save your life is to marry a wealthy man from another country, mm-hmm. like U.S. or Australia, is out of the world when we think about it. So, um, but thank God that my mom, she always say that the only person that can save you is yourself. And so you need to get very good about uh, finance. But in terms of culture, like you say, like I, my culture is always put boy mm-hmm. before girls. So I like in terms of like equal opportunity, we don't, we don't, we didn't have a, that at all. So boy, more, more opportunity, more expectation. And so they equipped with more things than like girls. We just expect to be like beautiful and marriage yeah. wealthy men. It's mm-hmm. insane when we think about that, but it's influence influence a lot in our the way that we think about money and I basically like relearned everything about the money I think for the last 15 years or so so not a lot and it's also see this in I see it a lot in my client too like after some of them need to divorce or their husband suddenly pass away and they Mm. need to be like in charge of their finance and their life and it's like very tough situation to be in and I wish that we will um the education system will teach people about the money like earlier yeah I think that's really true because I don't know in society it can be seen as oh yeah just marry rich then you don't have to worry about it or like things like that like you hear that but like in reality, like that's not the way to go about things. Like you should yeah. educate yourself and learn about finances as much as you can. But like you said, it should be taught more so in our school systems. Um, Cause yeah. I think unless you force yourself, which Divya and I have been like a little more w- willing to do lately, we're like trying to like teach ourselves about like financial fa- finances yeah. and all of that. But you know, not everyone is like given that opportunity. So it should yeah. be taught yeah. more. What would you say are what setting financial goals? So we're talking about this education around it. For me, I always thought setting financial goals is just, okay, budget and put us up, put some money aside. Like I just thought save money, that is being financially smart. And the older I've gotten, that's like a small piece of it. That's what I'm realizing. And I still, yeah. I, 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 I'm in the process of understanding that more, but I've also seen like, even as a therapist, so many of my clients that don't know anything about financial well-being, especially women, and they just think it's saving money. So for you, what would you tell, let's say like any woman, like what are the main things they need to know to set financial goals? And does it go further than just budgeting? So I think um, everything starts with yourself. Um, you need to understand how you make the financial decision, what will trigger us, where is your witness, um, how is your relationship with your money. That is the starting point. Because the same budget template, the same way that very standardized 
but it's not applicable and it's not like a wing way for you at all. If you have a different like triggers, different childhood experience and those things like like you as the therapist, you know that it needs to be healed that part and you would like give you the opportunity to work towards a new thing. So that is the first thing. And then like, look at into your last six month income and expense to see like, okay, where things go. We need to base on the data, like from you to the data. You see like, okay, where's your spending go? Where's your majorities of spending? And then from there, think about what is important into your life. Like for example, you say like the next 10 years, I don't want to, to work anymore. Like for example, like that. Mm-hmm. So you need to think like, okay, how much you will need to be mm-hmm. like not working and that is like talk about the investing part, how you grow that money. And if you need to put in like $2,000 per month into investing, then where you find that money? Then we need to talk about like how you can like set a goal about earning. What can you bring to the markets to help you to make more money? Mm-hmm. Because you can save. But if you just make like, 1500 per month, then there's not much more that you can save at all. Right. And then um, there's so many things that you need in your life more than just um, just the necessity. And um, if you build a very good foundation in terms of financial, it will give you so much more opportunity that you can achieve later in life. Like, for many people that many my client like wealthy client this is one of the things that they didn't know when i was young that like they should come out and buy a property but i mean like now real estate is so expensive now so how we can come out to buy property so there's so many more big in terms of the whole picture of your financial well-being than just budgets but budgets will help you in terms of like how you see all your money compared to your goal Mm -hmm. and that is the way that you you have the picture of the money but um but it's not the end goal at all so that is so interesting because yeah, you just basically said like setting that foundation is what's important first and asking yourself what your wants and needs are. Yeah. And I immediately thought like, oh, that's not how I think of it. Um, I almost think of it, okay, how can I save like the most money this mm. month? Or like, what can I omit like spending on? But I don't really think about like my wants and needs in terms of like, like the money part of it. So that's actually really interesting. Yeah, it is. And um, like, for example, like for me, I don't care what, which car I drive at all. I drive an, a, car, a car like 2015, which is now eight years old. But I drive it and I'm happy. I don't need to change this to Audi, to BMW or to Tesla. But with me, like I like to eat healthy food because it's give me the energy. So I will like set aside money for that. And then I I want to to think for the next 10 years, I need to do other things. And for that, one of the rule, important rules in finance is time is, is where your money grows. 
because if you give enough time, everything that you put in investment, it will grow tremendously because of the, the compound interest rule. Mm -hmm. But if I don't, I want 10 years, I do other things, but now I don't have enough money to put in for them to have the time to grow, then how I can find that money? Because I don't want to like stay um work until like I'm seventy years old to yeah. be like live on social security money at all. It's such a boring life to live. So yeah, it's so interesting when you say to tune into your own needs and your wants, like how you gave yeah. the example for you. It's healthy food, and the first thing that came to mind for me was that. When we think about money, there's so much of this pressure to like keep up with those around you. And so it's like, oh, you see this person has, I don't know, like the newest bag. So then you feel like you have to do that. And we don't even slow down and ask ourselves, is this what I want? Because maybe that person, they prioritize spending in this way. But that yeah. doesn't mean that you need to do that. And there's just kind yeah. of like this constant, oh, someone bought a house, like, especially as a millennial, like, yeah. they bought a house, oh, why don't I have a house? Or like, you know, they're, they're having XYZ, why can't I or they're in I, I know, um, my husband and I have talked about this with <clears throat> people investing in real estate. And we know people are doing that. And we're like, we can't even afford to buy ourselves a house. <laughs> so like, how are we, you know, it's this, it's this pressure. So it's really cool to hear you say that you kind of have to focus on yourself and not on what other yeah. people are doing. Yeah, and, and that is the discipline, and it's hard. So these days, like, we have so much temptation, you know, like, our peer pressures, our family influence too, like, our parents, like, I don't mm -hmm. know which your culture, but my culture too, like, my yeah. parents say, oh, why you don't do this? Oh, why you don't have that? And mm -hmm. that, they influence how we make the decision in terms of financial too. But then if you listen, to your goals and you look good and you have the vision and you understand like um your own need and want and um the way that you want to live your life it totally shifts the conversation mm -hmm. yeah definitely it this makes me think back to uh when Divi and i were in high school we yeah. had retail jobs um, so we worked at the mall. <laughs> yeah, we worked at the and mall. And <laughs> our parents are we just got these jobs because we just wanted like extra spending money. And our parents would tell us you should be saving that money because in, in our culture, you should be saving majority mm -hmm. of what you make. So our yeah. parents would tell us, save that money, save that money. And our way of rebelling against that was to then give us spend. Shopping, we would have like yeah. many shopping sprees from like our paychecks. And I remember we would feel so good about it because we we're like, well, we earned this money. And, yeah. you know, in a way, we're going against what our parents are telling us mm -hmm. because we felt like we needed to spend this money on like getting new clothes and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it just makes me think back to like that relationship with money just started like way back then. And we didn't really yeah. realize it. We were just like, yeah, we have these jobs. They're we're not we're not really looking into the future in any way. We just want to yeah. spend what we have. Yeah, yeah. Like this immediate gratification that you need with getting money. And I just had an insight, Ravisha, when you said that because I remembered that it it reminds you that your money story runs so freaking deep because we did mm -hmm. this in high school, right? And I just thought about so this last Saturday we went me and Raj, um, and I keep saying Raj, Fiona, that's my husband. <laughs> we went to the farmers market and. 
I we didn't buy anything. But to me, I was in the car. I was like, why did we go to the farmer's market if we didn't buy anything? And he was like, <laughs> why did we need to buy something to go to the farmer's market? And I'm like, well, we went somewhere. And so shouldn't we have? And I just realized. And he was like, no, you can go somewhere and not buy anything. And that yeah. is, it's like we earn money. And then you think I have to spend it. And that narrative runs really deep. How do you, so I'm just now was like, oh crap, like that runs deeper than I thought when Ravisha said this story. But for someone like me or anyone else, how would you tell them to kind of switch that narrative? Because I want to switch it, but it's so hard and I stay so stuck in it. (laughs) So I read the book called um, Boundary Boss and see a psychologist. Mm-hmm. And it's were um, referred to me by my therapist and um, and one of the concepts that she taught on it is called secondary gain. So basically something that we do, we know that we stuck with it. We want to change, but because it gives us some comfortable. So mm-hmm. the gain that we stuck is higher, uh, is lower than the gain of changing. So we, you know that we don't change until we feel so pain mm-hmm. that we need to change. <laughs> but there is something that helps us like cover, mm-hmm. feel more comfortable with being like the same way that we are in. And so we don't change. And so I think that's um, those things you need to think about what is the painful, the mm-hmm. painful situation if we don't change in this action. And that is why I always think about consequences. If I stay like one of the way that helped me to um to leave the corporate job is I know that if I I keep doing that, I would be stuck for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And the pain for the pain of being stuck in it so huge. Yeah. It was so huge. Yeah. So it motivated me like put in the plan, uh take the action. And basically, like, change. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, if they give me so comfortable and so easy, I probably wouldn't change at all. I probably stay in it for a long time. Yeah, And it's the same with your money, too. What you don't get today, if you don't change, it needs to be something that feel like so deep-rooted in it. Mm-hmm. And you decided, okay, I don't want to be stay this the same thing, which is so hard because you can spend hundred dollar easily, fifty dollar easily, but I tell you, like, you need to save a thousand dollar to put in investment. Oh, that is huge. Yeah, that is huge. So the pain of like saving a thousand dollar is so huge that you don't want to take it at all. So maybe that is your internal conversation (laughs) that you need to yet understand more on that yeah when you think about like what's like how you said like what's keeping you to where you are in that pain I think that also motivates and drives you to make that change as well um because yeah staying in the same situation that you think you're comfortable in without like taking that leap of faith then you're just going to be like stuck yeah, it is. So one of the person who I don't remember his name, but he say one of the most um poison thing is the paycheck every two week. Mm-hmm. But because it's so comfortable that it's make people just stuck in it. Like yeah, if you yeah. run your own business, you're not gonna be like get the paycheck every week. Yeah. So uh that prevents you to change. So 
Yeah, because when you have like that schedule of like money coming in consistently, you're like, well, as soon as soon as it comes in, it's that's what makes you want to like stay in that situation and not like yeah. change in what you're doing because it's like yeah. on that schedule. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. What would you say then? I kind of want to go into a bit of like for my own, well, for the listener's sake and also for my own selfish sake in ways of what are really easy kind of like tangible tips that you give to the women that you coach, you work with, um, to budget, to save, to keep track of finances, to rewire this narrative around money, just all of it. So I guess we'll like, what are some essentials if you had to think of five essentials that you had to teach every woman? So I think um, the first thing is know where you are at. Like get the data. Like you know, like okay, how much you spend on grocery, on food, on on uh, glow, on whatever it is. You have like a picture of where you are at. That's give you awareness. Like, okay, oof, why I spend like $3,000 for grocery and uh, eating out? That is so... So not good. So this is like give you the pictures. Most of the women that I work with, when they know where they are at, they like, just like, ah, I need to change. So I have a client that see, like, see in the business for two years. But she haven't been, she make a lot of money, like 35K per month in revenue. But she never have been profit at all because any money coming in she spend it out she hired someone she spent most all of that until she had um work with me started work with me and we put in the picture of where's her money look like and she say oh Fiona why I just like pay for the consultant more than I pay for myself that is so so Not logical at all. So mm-hmm. if you know where you are at, that is give you the picture and the awareness. And from there, you will need to like talk about your goal. What is the life that you want to, to live? List it down, 10 of them, 5 of them, 11 of them, whatever. And some of them you think like it's unrealistic. But most of the time, you know, people who have... The, the goals, 80% of people who have the goal achieve the goals. So mm-hmm. at least you, you need to have the goals and then talk about your execution. Like the same with the business and the same with our life, our personal life. If you want to make like extra $2,000 per month, what it needs to take you, like time, skills, and those things you need to schedule in your schedule, how, like one hour per day that you need to learn additional skill or like one hour per day, you need to go on social media and share your ideas, your gift, or you search. Or you talk to the people, say, this is what I have experience skill with their expertise um, and I can help you with it. But those things need time and execution. Mm-hmm. This is number three. Like regardless how you think you're excellent with the work that you do, but if you, do, you no one know how amazing you are, then there's no more earning at all. That's is number three. And number four is you basically like get the feedback from what you do and adjust it and change it. But most of the time, I can say like I see people, like people say that is magical. 
or like manifestation or whatever it is. But I see it's happened with clients all the time and they change their financial in the matter of months, like two, three months. They flip their financial. They flip it because they know where they are at. They have uh, the strategy, the goal. They execute it and they adjust to the feedback from the market. And that's just like just four things. But it's, of course, you need your time and your commitment. But 90% of the time, I see people change. Their financial just in like, like this. And this is not like woo-woo thing at all. <laughs> it's a real thing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I think that's like a really good start for people. Like I like that number one being like you need to look at where your finances are and like yeah. how you can make those changes. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is um so we're like in our late twenties, so we have a lot of people get our friends getting married. Um, and so we wanted to ask you, like, what do you think is an important conversation to have, like, with your partner about finances? Like, okay. what you've seen is important to do. Yeah. So one of the thing before the marriage, you need to discuss about how is person priorities in terms of financial. So like some, they want to look good, but some they want to just saving, like different people, different way of look at the money. So you need to understand that. Then the second thing you discuss, like if like something happened or if you need to have a huge budget, how you have that, how will you have that conversation? Mm -hmm. Like if I need to buy a car, how I can talk with my husband, like, and we discussed this before, it happened because when we have a those situation happen, we usually drive by emotion. And when you're so emotional, you can't have a real conversation with the other people at all. Mm-hmm. So you know the blueprint about the uh, the your partners, how they react and how they think mm-hmm. ahead of the time. And number three is has a prenup. Mm-hmm. Which is so important, but many people never actually had that discussion. But you think about it, like people say, oh, that's a so hard conversation. How can you talk about it? But now you're ready to marry. So you're very happy. You're in a, like, a very good emotion mm-hmm. state. That is the best time for you to have the negotiation and discussion. Yeah. But like once, like I saw so many people when they divorce, everything becomes extremely hard for you to actually negotiate at that time. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that's two things. Yeah. I had actually listened to this on a podcast about a year and a half, maybe ago, about yeah. prenups. Um, and it was really eye-opening to me because I I'd heard that everyone has a prenup it's either like you are deciding the terms of the prenup which is when you create it right with your partner or it's the government deciding your terms of your prenup so like everybody yeah. has one and there's this misconception I ha- I fell into it too of if you really are getting married or why are you preparing for divorce like why do you get a prenup and it's more actually empowering yourself that you've created the rules of yeah. the prenup right or you've it, like it's not necessarily telling yourself oh what if you do get divorced and um my husband and I we have 
our business coach who they asked us like did you guys get a prenup and after we were like why would they ask us that and then we learned more about it and we're like that actually is really smart to do and you know it's something that I wish more people had education about because we had really a lot of misconceptions around prenups Mm -hmm. and that is pretty smart to do because you're just deciding the terms and conditions of your relationship god forbid something happens and it's not that is your right too because like you think about it, why we spend like months and hundreds of like, some people even spend $100,000 for their wedding, but they yeah. never actually discuss about their right in terms of financial in a relationship. And if you live in like a community states, like for example, California, anything your spouse owe, you owe 50% of it. Like automatically. Oh wow. wow. Automatically. That is crazy. It is. And it has the laws with it. So if you never actually like sit down to understand like how is the regulation in that state that you live and how it will influence, affect your financial, your tax situation before you even like have a commit for life with a person. It's so unreasonable at all like that's what I feel but but people always have like a notion to work prenup is something like bad luck something like not good something like you mean to your spouse or future partner but it shouldn't be yeah I mean I won't lie I I kind of felt that way too like what Debbie was saying but when you put it in those terms where it's like it's either your guys' negotiations together now or the government's later, you'd want to choose your negotiations now. Yeah, And hopefully you'll never have to resort to the prenup, but it's not like harmful, I guess, in any way to just have one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's actually very good and protect you, especially for women too. Because eventually if you have a children, you have, like you normally children would go with you, like if, if you have a job and stable financial and all of that. But if you never actually think about protect yourself and your children, mm-hmm. we never know. We love our spouse, but we never know what actually happened. Yeah. And um, when you have a little people that depends on you, that is so um, important to, to think ahead of the time. Super important. Wow. Yeah, I think it, especially when you're in a partnership, there's this way you have to talk about budgeting and money. And then there's a way you talk about it, obviously, with yourself. But how would you say that you people can stay realistic to budgeting? Because I'll say for me, I end up falling off the bandwagon so often. And I don't know if it's because I'm not setting realistic goals or what it is. But why have you seen people fall off it? And like, what's a way that you would recommend for people to budget in a realistic way on their own? I mean, on their own or in their relationship, too, if they're in a marriage, but just in general. Yeah, so like like I said before, um, changing is hard. So that's why if you look at your historical information, is say like last six months you spend like a thousand dollar on eating out, for example. There's no way that next week you will change this to become like a next month to become like hundred or two hundred dollar per month at all. In this time. So mm-hmm. new habit change in this time. And that's why you need to build the time for you to change that habit. Like from $1,000, you go down to 800 Maybe that 200 is not like huge different in your life. You just cut a couple, like two 
eat out dinner, you save that $200. And then you feel like, okay, that is so easy. So next month you move a little bit more. So changing, take time. And people, like, we need to see things happen right away. And that's why we we fall. Because, mm-hmm. like, okay, now 1000 I want to cut a half of it. So next month I'm excited for the new goals. But <laughs> it's not based on who you are and your habit at all. And that's just why I make you, like, fall off and people, like, feel, like, demotivated and they never actually set the budgets again. And they like, okay, that has never worked with me. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Cause I, I, I will agree with that. <laughs> that you like, I'll try to make a change, and then it's might be realistic, but I want to see that like the result of that change right mm-hmm. away. And I think it's just giving it time is like what is needed. Yeah, yeah. Forget about that because you want the instant change. I want it to all be so fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tomorrow it needs to happen. Basically, yeah. <laughs> it's not realistic because I've done that, and then also just like talking about money, we have to get comfortable talking about it. Yeah. As women, as a society, and there are just so many barriers. But I think I mean it, it's so important to talk about it, especially now because. I know that there's so much talk around the recession and inflation and there's a lot of fear with it. So it's like it's being talked about almost, I would say, in a very like fear mongering way. So mm. how, do, how do you get people comfortable talking about it? Because honestly, for me, when I think about finances, it, it's very scary because I hear recession, debt, loans, like all the scary words. <laughs> it, it's not very uplifting. <laughs> I think like one of the things that uh, will have us um less fears about talking about money or even like deal with the money is once we we get more familiar with it so once you become like familiar with things with money or anything news anything news always make you feel scared but mm-hmm. if you get this like familiar with it like you learn more you read more you talk to people more you take the course you have the foundation you're familiar with it then you feel like okay at least i know what it is and i can take care of it it's the first thing the second thing is like society like put a lot in terms of money is your identity mm. like whether you make like hundred fifty thousand dollars per year that's just you very successful in your career or you drive a pmw or whatever the car that is like in trendy that's is your identity but but in reality is isn't and i know a lot of wealthy people they drive an old car they live in very small house and they doesn't they don't look like anything as the wealthy people at all and so if you can detach your identity with your money your success is not depends on how you look and what you drive what you owe you have so much freedom like i mean so much freedom to pursue what actually meaningful in terms of well for you. Yeah, wow, that was like really powerful to hear. Yeah. Like, because I mean, it's true though, like society puts like so much pressure in a way of that, okay, whatever you make, how much ever you make, you need to like show that off and like the things that you have. And we all fall for it sometimes in like some ways. And so we forget that like, 
we don't have to be attached to that identity. Yeah, um, it is. And and I mean, like, money is, is not, it's just a mean. But eventually, what is meaningful for you, I don't know, is maybe, like, live a healthy life, a happy life, or have the time, uh, the freedom to pursue the life with the meaningful people in your your life, like your spouse, your partners, or something like that. Then those goals is also need to have a fun money for you to do it, but it's just a mean for you to do this. It's not like an end goal that you have a million dollar in the bank and you sitting there to look at it at all. So that is how how I look at it. But uh, yeah. I'm seeing there's so much of mindfulness and intentionality that goes into money and talking about money too. And I've always heard that, you know, there is a, there is a connection between it with money and mental health because it's all part of like this big scale of wellness, like financial wellness also goes into your, your mental and emotional and physical health. But I'm having further realizations about it through this conversation that so much of it is about being intentional and being mindful and tuning in with yourself. So you need to have some of that self-awareness to be able to really kind of get into the driver's seat of your financial decisions. Almost like that's the first step. Like you, you've kind of been saying through this entire episode. Yeah, it is. It is like, um, what, what important to you? It will be different from what important to me. I have a son, so he's important to me. So a lot of my financial need to go, to have him for his future but you don't have it and so you will not like react uh, handle your financial the way that I do at all so tuning with who you are what important to you is the first step and then the second step is just step outside of the pressure of your peer your family your environment and I, I remember um, what's her name Sarah Blakely She's the founder of Spanx. And um, she said the first year of hers found her own company. She didn't share her company with most people. Just only her mom and couple close friends knew about it. Because she said that is the infancy of your idea. And if you share with a, a lot of people, people will say, oh, that is not a good idea. And they influence your goals and your pursuits or your path to that goal so the same thing if you have a financial goal for yourself but you will talk to your mom and your mom say no that is not good that is so risky (laughs) don't do it then you never actually pursue it at all so be careful with your environment too yeah yeah that's definitely really good advice um i think is like what we've talked about today is to be mindful about what you want and what your goals are and asking yourself those kinds of questions. I honestly learned a lot today. Yeah, me too. We this really is so helpful. You talking to us about this. Um, and I also will mention the resources that you mentioned seem like great reads for other people. If they're interested, we'll include it in our show notes. But yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, Fiona, for having this discussion with us today. Thank you. I think more than anything, it made me take a second to like realize like what what my goals and what I'm looking for, and hopefully our listeners will feel the same. Thank you so much for the time today and the opportunity to share like my thought with your listeners. So I'm so grateful. 
And uh, hopefully we'll talk to you guys soon. Yes, we will stay in touch. And if we ever have any money questions, you are going to be our girl. And if any of <laughs> <Yeah>. our listeners <laughs> have any, we will reach out. This is so great. Thank you so much. Thank have you, a wonderful Fiona. afternoon. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning into another episode of Conversations Brewing. We hope you take some moments to reflect on our episode with some coffee in hand. New episodes of Conversations Brewing come out on Tuesdays. We'd love to hear from you about what resonated with you and what you want to hear more about. So let us know on Instagram at our account at Conversations Brewing. If this episode was helpful, please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast and continue to tune in weekly. We so appreciate your support and we'll brew some conversations with you next week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.